call me sentimental, but to me, the most joyful moment in sports is the soccer goal. And when that goal happens at the World Cup, well, it's pretty good. I'm Brian Phillips. With the 2022 Men's World Cup approaching, I'm making a podcast called 22 Goals on the Ringer Podcast Network. It's about 22 of the most fire emoji goals in the history of the tournament. We're going to have so much fun. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100-GAMBLER and visit rg-help.com. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to the Ringer Gambling Show. It's been a long time since I've been able to say those words, House, but it's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to be with you every single Friday this season on the feed. You and I, just like the good old days, chopping it up, discussing some of your bets, me giving you some criticism, me giving you some encouragement, me sharing a few things on my own. I cannot wait. Week one of the 2022 NFL season is finally here. How jacked up are you? house for this season and was all your summertime prep for the year worth it in your opinion do you feel good going into the year sharpie it it, it it's just it, it's so good when it hits the lips <laughs> i mean I, I it's too early in the morning for me to crack one open but oh it's so wonderful the first taste of football the first taste of a beautiful cold beer we made it i I want to thank you, as always, for being my Sherpa, my football counselor, my football advisor, my, my guru, helping me try and avoid the pitfalls and pratfalls of this upcoming season. I did one thing that, that um, is, is just a, a phenomenon that is unstoppable with the NFL. The markets open so early. I was laying bets in in May, and I feel like it's a new thing. Am I right about this? Like, you could bet the first week lines as early as 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 May of this year. Futures were out super early. I have all kinds of of action that I was playing in May, in June, and July. And at least for me, that was a new phenomena. Is that is that standard, or am, am, am I uh, uh, right that this is a kind of a new thing? 
So week one lines always are coming out around about that time, but we were definitely seeing, obviously, more betting markets are open now, more places to bet are available, and things that were occurring this year were just more options on the futures market, more options from even, you know, let's bet week two, let's bet week three, before you would see those lines, but they would only be out in Las Vegas at like one book. And then another book put up a few select game of the years, maybe 100 or 125, but certainly not all 272 games that we now have. But here we're seeing those come up at many different books that are now legal and you can bet them in your home state. And, you know, weeks one to six, weeks one to 17. So there were just a lot more options and they're always opening them earlier. And why do they do that? Well, they know that people, generally speaking, lose money. So they just want action. They want people to be placing their bets on these games and uh, trying to be first to the market. Because when you're a book that's first to the market, then somebody's more likely to open an account with you. They hear about it on Twitter. They hear about the different options that are available. And so they want to come and open an account to bet those types of things. They're getting those itches early in the offseason, right after the NFL draft, and they want to get down on these games. And that's why it's our job on this entire Ringer Gambling show, all the shows throughout the week. We've got many more of them this season. We've got a great one on Sunday morning as well with Raheem. Like Our goal is to try to make you guys smarter, be able to place more intelligent bets, learn something so that you're not falling into all the traps that all the other people out there who are getting down on these games are falling into. Yeah, and one of the things that you um, so helpfully helped me navigate last year was trying to get in on numbers early and there are a couple games on on this slate that we'll get to for this week one where the numbers have moved dramatically from where they sat, you know, back in, in that May, June time frame. I mean, I think I got the Chiefs at either minus two and a half or minus three against the Cardinals. And that number is like all the way up to six now or, or maybe even more. Right. Yeah, no, it is six right now. And look, that's one of the tricks. That's what makes week one so unique in the NFL. It's also what makes um, like week two and beyond and all the other shows that we're going to do very different because here these lines have been up as long as they have. And a lot of them have been bet into positions. But what's funny to me, House, is a lot of other shows out there and a lot of other people out there talked about like two weeks ago and three weeks ago, well, there's no value in the betting marketplace now. Like week one, there's no value there. All these numbers have been up for months and they're, they've been bet into place. And so there's no value. I wonder what those people who said those comments thought when they saw the Chiefs move from three and a half to six in the span of virtually like 24 hours. I wonder what those people thought when they're seeing a lot of these totals raise in, in, in point value by like one and a half points in like a 24 hour span within the last week. Like these numbers are still being bet into place and not all of these numbers are going to be accurate just because they've been on the marketplace for this long. Some betting groups are still going to get out there and with massive limits now going to be moving these markets and still getting down numbers. And some of the numbers that have been bet far in one direction might come crashing back the other way now because they've been bet so much that there's value in them uh, and invading public perception of the entire off season uh, is going to be something that's going to occur in these final, you know, 48 hours before Sunday kickoff gets here. So the bottom line is you do have to pay attention. Some of these numbers have been moving um, in the, earlier in the off season, of course, but there is still value on the betting board, in my opinion. 
Well, let's just jump right in. This week one slate has some some real curious attributes to it. Um, the the first being ten home underdogs. Now, I'm not asking you to go way back into the into the database and find the last time that that occurred, but that feels like a pretty rare kind of phenomena. And a lot of the analytics folks, you know, the betting analytics folks are sort of jumping in with trend lines um, and, and themes that really pick up on underdogs at the, in the first part of the season. And especially in, in the divisional situations, we have a few games, you know, Green Bay and Minnesota, to me, the marquee game of the entire week after Bills and Rams. And also, you know, interesting Atlanta and New Orleans and Houston and, and uh, Indianapolis. And in each of those instances, the uh, home uh, team is, is an underdog. Um, in these divisional games, so there's all kinds of these these trends that yeah. Why that don't sort you share, share some of those with share a few of the trends with the listeners that that you've identified here for the week one dogs? So a, a bunch of smart folks in the gambling analytics space that emanate from places like you know the Action Network and and Sportsline. You can jump into those spots and see some of these trends. But uh, the the Odd Shark folks. Um, since 2011, underdogs that missed last year's playoffs. So there's a bunch of teams that fit that that bill here. Underdogs that, that missed last year's playoffs, 126, 101, and five against the spread. That's that's nearly 56%. Uh, it, it's even stronger, nearly 59% since 2011. Last year's dogs were nine and two against the spread that, that fit this kind of trend. Underdogs in division games. I just mentioned that one. 61, 41, and two since 2011. Since 2014, 29, nine, and one. So these are trends that are landing in like the 60% all the way up to like 75% kind of territory. Underdogs that won four to six games last year. So the public looks at those teams, sees that they sucked last year. They come in this year. They're underdogs, as, as you would expect. The numbers in week one in those games tend to be a little inflated to reflect the public sentiment. They want the public to kind of jump in on those. Those teams beat the public and beat the spread. They're 70, 34, and two against the spread. 67% underdogs that won four to six games the prior season. And one other aspect to this week um, that is, you know, it happens every year that there's coach turnover, but we have nine teams with brand new head coaches this year and head coaches of new teams do not fare well against the spread in, in week one, the debut coaches are uh, seven and 16 against the spread the last four seasons. And they're three 19 and one straight up. So a bunch of like sort of curious background to, to the way this week is, is sizing up. It really feels like to me, uh, you know, where are my dogs at kind of week, Warren Sharp? Absolutely. Um, look, those trends are extremely strong. Those trends are um, hard to deny. And the other thing that's great about you know, these types of angles is these are dogs that nobody wants to play. These are dogs that like, it, it's one thing if you have the popular dog, the dog that like a lot of people want to be on because there's some positive things that you feel about this team. You saw them go deep into the playoffs or you saw them 
uh, win the last couple of games and 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 now they're being made an underdog and we don't have those that situation obviously in week one last season uh these teams weren't making the playoffs these teams were teams that were disappointing and so absolutely positively I think you're going to find situations this year uh situations this week that these dogs are going to cause a lot of problems for people that are betting, uh, the, the favorites that are coming out, that are getting into the sports betting space, and that are going to try to lay some of these favorites. And obviously, there's a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different situations that you've identified that I think are really positive here. Well, I have a candidate. You know, we had to bring back in honor. We'll, we'll see when uh, it would be the, the right time to retire this. But but the the legend of Urban Meyer lives on. And so we have an Urban Meyer horny dog game of the week. Now, I'm not going to go into that one because it's Indianapolis and Houston, and I just on principle cannot kick off our uh, analytics for, for this beautiful week one with Indianapolis and, and the Houston Texans. But look, Houston fits a lot of these categories, and we'll go through it when we get to the Urban Meyer horny dog game of the week. But let's start with what I think is the, the best game on the slate. I hope that you agree. It's Minnesota hosting Green Bay. Green Bay is favored. The line, I believe, is Green Bay by minus one and a half. The total is 47 and a half. And I know from some of the research that you've done that, that, that I've seen that you have a perspective on this one. I, my own self, have been in love with this game since, uh, you know, kind of opened and when I went through the slate. And mainly because I feel like this is the first season where we really get the home field advantage of the Minnesota Vikings in full roar, full tilt, full throat restored. I know last year was post COVID um, and that there was, you know, that we had the home home field back, but I really feel like the advantage that Minnesota has enjoyed, I think they're number one in the NFC since the new stadium was built in terms of genuine home field advantage. I just see this game as really a fulcrum game for their season because it is uh, Kevin O'Connell's debut game as as the head coach and what he's going to do in terms of unleashing this offense. But it's so crucial to the to Minnesota's fortunes if they come out and grab this game and and you know get that advantage over Green Bay in the division. It, it's just monumental to them and and their potential momentum for the season. What do you think about this game? Yeah, well, first of all, let's talk about that home field advantage. And if you ignore that crowdless 2020 season, the Vikings are 36-18-4 ATS at home. That's a 67% cover rate since 2014. That's the best record in the NFL. So best in the NFC, maybe, if you include that 2020 season. But that 2020 season had no crowds. They were terrible at home. Now they get the crowds. That stadium was specifically designed to reflect the crowd noise back down onto the field. It's one of the reasons that they have a lot of edge. Now, the Green Bay Packers have played in Minnesota, and Aaron Rodgers has played there quite frequently. But that being said, this is a great place for the Minnesota Vikings to enjoy that home field advantage. We can't start talking about this game, in my opinion, without talking about the fact that the Minnesota Vikings have a totally different head coach now. Mike Zimmer is gone. Mike Zimmer's philosophy is gone. Mike Zimmer loved a team that wanted to come out running the football and a team that wanted to come out protecting his defense, more or less. Keeping that 
um, defense fresh and healthy and rested on the sideline, converting on third downs and, and just trying to stay in the game and win it late and not get blown out early, not look bad early. But the reality of that offensive philosophy hurt the upside of this team. And it did force this team into a ridiculous amount of one-score games where they were just fighting tooth and nail to come back in these games. And in the second half of these games, Kirk Cousins was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL, one of the best EPA per pass attempt quarterbacks in the NFL. They just weren't unleashing him earlier enough in the game. I think we're going to see Kevin O'Connell with that Rams offensive philosophy. He was with the Rams last year. He's the Vikings head coach now. We've talked about this, so we're not going to go too much in depth. They're going to be using a lot more 11 personnel. If you look at what they did um, earlier, like compared to last season, last season, this team was using 11 personnel on just 37% of uh, the running backs rushes. In the preseason, that was like almost 75%. Okay, so we are going to see this team utilize a lot more 11 personnel. Dalvin Cook is good out of 11 personnel when he's running the football. The Packers defense, though it is improved, was bad trying to defend runs out of 11 personnel. But more than anything, we're going to see more passes on early downs from Kirk Cousins here. And as long as he can get enough protection in doing that, and one of the reasons that I like that element of it is because we're going to see a Packers defense that now doesn't know if a pass or run is coming on first down, hopefully. And that is something that the Vikings have been much more predictable. They've been one of the most, in fact, the most run heavy team over the last three years on early downs, uh, led by Mike Zimmer, actually, sorry, number three, most run heavy. So they're moving from a run heavy team to a pass first team. They're efficient in this spread offense. Kirk Cousins is going to be unleashed earlier on in the game. And we've got questions with the Green Bay Packers. We knew that Devontae Adams wasn't going to be their house, but now Alan Lazard does not look like he's going to play. That means Green Bay is down their top two receivers from last year. They're going to have to rely on the lizard man, Sammy Watkins, who thinks that he's a lizard uh, and thinks that he's seen aliens. And um, who am I to deny that? But you can go look at the articles. He he definitely believes this. Uh, He's their new number one wide receiver. And it's been a while since he's had to be the number one wide receiver for a team. Uh, Granted, Aaron Rodgers makes up for a lot of mistakes for a lot of these guys. um, But it's still going to be a challenge. And that chemistry has not been developed uh, in prior years. And then they're going to rely on Randall Cobb and a bunch of rookies. And so I think it's just going to be a big challenge for the Green Bay Packers here. Um, the Vikings house, perfect teaser leg candidate to move through through that seven. The Vikings are, you know, a great uh, potential week one upset here, in my opinion. Yeah. So you beat me to the punch. I don't really love playing the one and a half for, for Minnesota. I, mm-hmm. I What I really prefer is Minnesota as, as a teaser leg. My, my yep. concern is, you know, the, the Green Bay defense is definitely improved. I don't think there's any denying it. Jair Alexander is healthy in playing this game. And some folks have that Green Bay secondary ranked, you know, early in the season here at the the sort of top of of the list. And I don't love the trend stuff with Kirk Cousins. Like, I'm not out here to give out, you know, Kirk Cousins slander, but when, when teams have the opportunity to prepare for him, he's only two and five against the spread in 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 week one, and he, he's two and ten against the spread when he's he's coming off of a bye week. So if you combine those two things and you say when Kirk Cousins goes up against teams that have been able to prepare for him, they're four and fifteen against the spread. Uh, uh, Cousins led teams that makes me tap the brakes a little bit. I I can't go whole hog 
into Minnesota. But I do like them very much as that teaser leg because we get through the three and the seven. Yeah, and the the interesting thing is one one of the things I'm fascinated to see about this game is what is Aaron Rodgers going to look like with those guys? But then what is Kirk Cousins going to look like when he is finally entrusted with this? You know, Mike Zimmer, we we say we want Kirk Cousins to be throwing the football on first down and early in the first half of these games because that's more efficient. We know like league-wide, whether your quarterback is good or bad, that's more efficient. But I mean, I guess there are questions like, how will Kirk fare when more is being entrusted to him? We know that he had massive issues with Mike Zimmer. And it's hard to work in an atmosphere when a sort of your de facto boss really doesn't like you and doesn't trust you and you're in that situation. And I think they've been like that for a couple of years now. It just obviously boiled over last season. And we saw that even in a game with these two guys kind of like getting in each other's face at one point in time. But we'll see if Kirk Cousins is 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 man enough to step up to the plate, so to speak, take on, take this team by its reins and say like, look, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to play good football. I'm not going to make mistakes. I'm going to build us a lead and then make life easier for my defense. Can he do that? Because we really haven't seen him be asked to do that very much uh, in his past. Yeah. And and when you put Kirk up against a guy who, you know, it's not a surprise to, 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 to see and hear that Aaron Rodgers as a division favorite is 42 and 24 against the spread. That's 64%. And, you know, uh, uh, in, in one score favorite situations for, for Green Bay, obviously another very positive because Green Bay wins. When you win 13 games every year, then, then you know, that guy tends to cover the spread. So that that's that's the matchup. Uh, and I'm going to play it uh, as a teaser leg. And there's some other potential teaser legs in here that we will get to. And it's going to be wonderful. I had circled as the sort of almost marquee game, uh, the Sunday night game, which is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Dallas Cowboys. I think didn't they start the season last year? These two teams were running this one back. Uh, this yep. was like the Thursday night game last year, right? Yes, exactly. And we and we loved it. There was a lot of fireworks. It was exciting. It, it was it was sexy. We saw uh, kind of a shootout. Thirty one to thirty one to twenty nine. The Bucks jumped yeah. out to a, to to a lead, but the Cowboys were keeping it very close. So this version is is the walking wounded. I'm I'm, I'm afraid. I'm not, maybe I'm wrong about this in terms of the theme of how this one's lining up. But all the injuries on the offensive line of of both teams make this one feel a little less juicy, a little less exciting. Tom Brady has very weird hair this year. Uh, He disappeared for 11 or 12 days during preseason. I don't really mind that. He's 45 years old. He's a busy man. He's got a lot of things going on in in his life. But the stories around Tampa, their new head coach, and I don't have any issue at all with that. I just uh, am am referring to the fact that, you know, there's some uh, acclimation that has to uh, occur um, and you know, both, both of these teams are teams that, um, I have faded in the futures markets. I went under on, on both of the win totals for, for these two teams. Um, the only thing that sort of jumps out for, for whatever weird, weird reason, Tom Brady in primetime hasn't been great. He's one and eight against the spread in primetime games with Tampa. Um, and he, and he failed to cover, he, they didn't cover last year. Tampa was like a six point favorite in that game at, at Dallas last year. Um, and Dak Prescott has a really good record uh, in primetime games. It's 17-9-1 against the spread and 10-4 and at home. I don't really, I think I'm going to stay away from this game unless, you know, something dramatic has happened to my betting card during the day and then I have to go chase 
a little bit just to have a taste on it. But uh, how are you seeing this game play out? First of all, let me just give you this advice. We'll start week one and everybody out there is probably going to hear too. <laughs> I do know not what you're going to say. Do, do not chase. Don't. If you like this game now, figure out an angle. If you're waiting on a number, go ahead and wait on that number. Um, if you hear late breaking injury news, go ahead and take that into consideration. If you hear that a sharp group has moved on and you want to piggyback with what they've done and, and the line is shifting late, feel free to like piggyback a little bit and play a little bit of their steam. But under no means, just be sitting there after at like halftime or immediately after your 4 p.m. games end and say, you know what? I need action on this game tonight. Let me go place a bet. So let's just get that off right now that that is a bad strategy. You are absolutely correct, though, in thinking that this game is very different than that week one game last season where there was excitement and interest on both of these teams to have good seasons. And this year, I come in, you come in thinking like, I'm a little bit down on both of these teams. I'm a lot bit down on the Dallas Cowboys, a little bit down on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, Tampa Bay, very interesting. Like last season in this game, they had Rob Gronkowski. He was targeted eight times, caught eight passes. They had Antonio Brown. He had a touchdown. You know, between those two guys, they had three touchdowns for, from Tom Brady passing the football. He had four total in this game. Um, he had a great offensive line. It was healthy. It was back from the prior year when they won the Super Bowl. Everybody was returning for this team. Their offensive line is definitely depleted. I question if Dallas can take advantage of that, if Dallas has the horses up front to be able to take advantage of that. And then I question a lot with the Dallas Cowboys what their philosophy is going to be and what their offense is going to look like. We saw last year in this game, Amari Cooper targeted 17 times a team high and him catch 13 of those and put up two touchdowns himself. He's no longer on the Dallas Cowboys. You know, we saw Dak Prescott drop back to pass the ball 58 times. Why was Dak Prescott passing the ball 58 times and the running backs only carrying the ball 14 times? It's because the defensive line and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense in general was very good against the run. So Dallas came out with this philosophy. We're not even going to attempt to run the ball. We're just going to drop back and pass and pass and pass all over the field. Dak Prescott ends up throwing for 403 passing yards and three touchdowns here on 58 passing attempts. So we don't think that they're going to be able to do that this year. They don't have the offensive line right now, especially without Tyron Smith, him going down a few weeks ago to injury and being lost probably most of the regular season to be able to protect Dak Prescott against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pass rush. So I think the Cowboys offensive philosophy might need to be tweaked a little bit here. They may have to try to run the football a little bit more as a result of that, unless they fall too far behind. Certainly it's very interesting in the betting market. The, the Cowboys are taking a little bit more money of late than I had previously expected them to. Um, but, but I still think that Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be that darling and Tom Brady in primetime, the darling that most of the people will be ending up chasing with. The books probably may end up needing the Cowboys, but it's still too early to really tell. The betting splits are not lopsided enough uh, to determine that at this moment. I, I just think that this, as, as of right now, I've stayed out of this game entirely. I'm not doing anything side total or props. Um, whether I get on something later or not, that's to be determined if 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 it looks like um, there somehow could be value in Dallas. But at this point, I just I just don't like either of these teams enough. Um, the one thing that I will say has been super sharp, obviously, was the under. 
was high as 53. Under money came in. It's now down to 51. Some spots are at 50 and a half. 51 is a key number in totals. Keep that in mind, guys. And I just talked about offensive line injuries and these receivers, right? Cooper with two touchdowns, Gronk and Antonio Brown with three there. That's five touchdowns from this game that aren't on the field for this meeting uh, in week one of 2022. I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to not chase in week one. I am going to put something on this game because I don't want to have it be Sunday night and feel forlorn, not having a little taste. So I'm just, I'm going to bet the under. I know I, I missed out on the 53 the, the 51, like you said, key number and all of the factors you just sort of listed out. Just a tiny play on the under. So I have something on the Sunday night game. Can, 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 can you endorse that? Um, typically, I don't love uh, a total that's moved a couple points and then getting involved. But I, I will say this, that you know the public probably is going to be on the over in this game. So coming in on the under is probably not a bad idea. Make sure you get the 51. Stick around a little bit longer to see if maybe some of that public money might push this up to 51 and a half. Okay. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend moving in on it okay. at this exact moment, um, but but you do not want to miss the 51. I just want to be on the record that I'm not chasing. That's all. I'm okay. not chasing. Yep. I'll, I'll play a total. It's going to be an under total, and I'll hope to, that, that the 51 and a half comes back in into the market. Kick off week one with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with the promo code GAMBLERS to get in on the action. Then you can turn game day into payday all season long. With $150 of free bets, there is so much action that you could place on week one spreads, week one totals, same game parlays, tons of player props. You're not going to have a shortage of options and teams to bet on. Go ahead and take advantage of those 150 free dollars. Play your way and bet on more than just the final score. Wager on everything from touchdowns to total yards to catches. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. FanDuel is also now live in Kansas. So don't fumble your chance to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code GAMBLERS. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus in select states, first online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369 in New York. Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Now, I, I hope you don't mind uh, if we jump into some of these these games that um, are, are, are divisional games where I'm looking so hard at, at the underdog that my eyes are coming out of out of my head. And I, I, I feel like I should apologize, but I, I really love the Houston Texans this week. I, 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 I adore the position that they're in. They fit all those categories, all those trends that we just talked about. They're they're you know they they non playoff underdogs. Yes, they're they're a division underdog at home. Yes, they won four games last year. Yes, so you know that they, they they hit all those marks. This is very weird to me. Frank Reich, who we both respect, and you know last year's hard knocks had me tailing, riding the the the, the Colts, and and to to great success all the way up until the very end. Fortunately, I did not bet that Jacksonville game. But the Colts and, and Reich, the institutional stability there, their approach, their game plan, super professional. I like it. He's 0-4 lifetime in, in week one and 0-3-1 against the spread. I can tell you from personal experience, having bet heavily on the Colts in a, in a money line parlay situation when they were up against the Jacksonville Jaguars a couple of years ago, that wound has not yet healed. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, you know they're they're uh, uh, over seven point favorite at Houston. I think this Houston team, while you know we know they 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 stink, but I think they've gotten better at a couple skill positions. I really love the quarterback, the rookie quarterback that they brought in. I think Davis Mills scored pretty well. In, in a bunch of the advanced analytics over the the latter part of the season, I think the last handful of games, he played he played better than any other rookie. And I I respect Lovey Smith. Like they're they're not in this transition tank kind of uh, mode that they were in last year. I think they want to try and and win games. And I'm just not prepared to to lay seven and a half on a guy that that um doesn't cover in week one. Yeah, I would not be laying that. As well, I definitely have concerns here. I mean, they should be able to win this game. The The big difference for me is the upgrade in Matt Ryan over the prior quarterbacks. Like The, the tough part for Frank Reich, if I'm going to try to give him slightly benefit of the doubt here, especially in week one, is that he's working with a new quarterback every single offseason. And one of those years was Jacoby Brissett. And one of those years was Phillip Rivers playing in like convinced to come back and play one more season. And then he obviously retired immediately after that. And one of those years 
was Carson Wentz, who obviously uh, the Philadelphia Eagles were totally done with him and wanted to move on. And he wasn't able to get the offense ready and, and, and produce in week one. So it's not as if they've been playing with a quarterback the caliber, in my opinion, of Matt Ryan, who is one of the most accurate in the NFL and is going to provide a big boost overall to this offense for the Indianapolis Colts. There are still questions, though, about some of the other receivers aside of Pittman. And, you know, the defense isn't fully healthy either. I think that there was logical reasons for people to come in when this line was above seven and grab the Houston Texans. And I think it's a pretty good bet. But I don't know that I love it at the seven right now. Um, the oh, Texans it's down are, to seven now. It's down to seven. The Colts are now favored by seven. Um, and so I think it was smart to move that far. Uh, the Colts are the better team from top to bottom and do have a better coach. But I'm still not coming in and laying Indianapolis minus seven here. It's not necessarily because of what's happened in the past with Frank Reich in week one specifically, but there is this trend like beyond week one, like the first four, five weeks of the season, his teams are just slow to get cranked out, slow to get going here. And uh, for that reason, I don't really want anything to do with them in this game. Well, I want to ask you, speaking of slow to get going and some of the things that we've seen in the preseason, another very juicy Divisional matchup. That's the New England Patriots going down to Miami. Uh, the Dolphins are favored by three and a half. The total there is 45 and a half. And I was really surprised to see this based on what we know um, in terms of how well Miami plays New England. This is the first time since 2013 that Miami's favored. And they're favored by, by more than a field goal. Now, the Dolphins have won outright four of the last five matchups and uh uh the the patriots have have also lost seven of their last nine in miami so it kind of makes sense context wise um all of my new england buddies including the pod father the uh king of the ringer bill simmons have been really pessimistic about this new england patriots team they claim that it's just them being realistic uh, about the fortunes of, of the Patriots. They're, they continue to be confused by the amount of money that the Patriots have spent on the offensive side of the ball. Then the apparent lack of return um, is a very young defense. Patriots fans do not love the shared responsibilities at the offensive coordinator position. Having said all of those things, I can't in good conscience, go against Bill Belichick as an underdog in, in this division. His record, because of the 20 years plus of sustained success in the AFC East, he's 30-15-2 against the spread as an underdog in general, 25-22 and 22 straight up. He um, is going up against a brand new head coach. There's always, you know, an advantage for Belichick going up against a, a, a new head coach. I like this number a lot better when it was at three or less at three and a half. I, I just have to go with the Patriots. It's just, you know, I, I, I can't come up with, with a, a justifiable basis. A lot of firepower on that Miami offense for sure. I concede it, but I want to see it in action a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, 
I don't know that I can endorse it, but I will say betting the Dolphins at minus two and a half is very different than minus three and a half. Um, And a very sharp book out in Vegas last night moved to four, actually, and this morning moved back down to three and a half. Um, So there is some sharp money that's come on the Miami Dolphins, even at even at three and a half to make that book want to move up to four. Um, But look, there's there was this narrative out there that, you know, Kyle Shanahan, the Shanahan tree of offenses, which obviously Mike McDaniel is is from uh, these teams start off slow. These teams aren't good. They take a little while to get going. And and that's that just has not been the case. Um, So. Just to buck that trend, if you're wanting to bet the Patriots because you think and you heard that Kyle Shanahan's offenses and, and these types of offenses start off slow and take a lot of time to learn, um, week one, that's not the case. Uh, Shanahan, in his three years, so he worked with three different quarterbacks as starters in his three seasons in Washington. You know this well, House. In 2010, it was Donovan McNabb. He was 34. He was his only season in Washington. The next year, they went on to Rex Grossman. I'm sorry for giving you like a, a PTSD okay. and, pro- and that type of stuff. I processed it. I've been in yeah. counseling for, for 15 years, so I'm fine so, with it now. So so Rex Grossman was there in 2011, and then obviously RG3 was there in 2012. These Every single one of these teams won or covered the spread. Right. So he was three and oh with these three different quarterbacks trying to work into his offense. And of course, we remember a mobile quarterback in RG3 uh putting up 40 points in oh, a big win is like I remember 10 point underdogs in New Orleans. Okay. So those got off to a good start. Then he goes to Cleveland for a year. He's working with Brian Hoyer, still covers the spread in the first game there. Then he goes to Atlanta. He's working with Matt Ryan, still covers the spread in his first game there. Uh, then he goes to San Francisco, gets hired as head coach. He's working with Brian Hoyer again. They don't have Jimmy G yet. They trade for Jimmy G midseason. Brian Hoyer, not a good quarterback at this point, and they don't cover the spread there. So that's Kyle's first loss. And then if you look at some of the offshoots, Sean McVay, how'd they do in his first game with the Rams? Covered the spread. Matt LaFleur, how'd he do in his first ever game with the Packers? Covered the spread. Zach Taylor, how'd he do in his first ever game with the Cincinnati Bengals? He was working with Andy Dalton at the time. Covered the spread as almost 10-point underdogs in Seattle, one of the most difficult places to play. And Dalton threw for 418 yards in that game, which was his career high. So like these offenses by these offshoots of Kyle Shanahan when there, it's an offensive-minded coach going to coach a new quarterback with a new team and scheme up and call plays, they've done well their first game out the gate. So I'm excited to see what is Miami going to be incorporating into this game. One of the things that I saw based upon the data uh, is Tua throwing the ball way further down the field, pushing the ball deeper down the field this preseason in the game action that he had, obviously limited sample size, than he was doing at any point in the past. That is massive and could really change how the Patriots have to choose to defend them. The Patriots may not be ready for that style of offense because Tua and the Dolphins have never done that. This was like a, this was a high pass rate short drop back because the O-line stinks, get the ball out quickly type of offense previously. Now with a better O-line and a better run game and a coach that's familiar with coaching up the run game, these guys are going to have a higher run rate. Also keep in mind, I know we have to talk about this as a betting show, weather could be an issue, weather, there might be some rain in the forecast here in Miami. The, The weather systems are moving through the area. Some of these games are going to be dealing with some rain. This could be one of them. Um, so pay attention to that. But the 
Dolphins may be running the ball more here. And uh, I'm just down, like Bill said, for good reason on the New England Patriots in general. So I think Miami could come out and could win this game. And yeah, I, I, I get it. Like history says, well, wow, they're favored by, you know, for the first time in forever. Like that seems crazy. But we have to keep in mind the perception of what the Dolphins were and the Patriots had Tom Brady. And so, of course, Brady's going to be favored against this crappy Miami Dolphins team year in and year out. And even, you know, last season, you know, the Patriots went to the playoffs. The Dolphins were a decent team that barely missed the playoffs, but like the Patriots were a good team last year. If we think the Patriots are going to take a step back and I bet the Dolphins over eight and a half and I'm thinking they're going to take a slight step forward, like they better win this game. You know, they better go out there and win. I don't love hearing that the Patriots were down there and had extra time. Like this is good for your bet potentially that they've been prepping in this heat and humidity and they've got their five days before kickoff and have been working on and getting acclimated. It's a smart move by Bill Belichick. He's obviously a great coach for a reason, very intelligent decision to do that. I can't wait to see the play calls and the strategy from this Patriots offensive staff and what they decide to put together here. Uh, but this is going to be a fun game. This is this is you, you're big into that divisional game with the Vikings and the Packers. I think that's going to be great. This divisional game between the Dolphins and the Patriots is going to be outstanding, in my opinion. Must see TV. Yeah, I feel the same way. And you um, may yell at me um, when we get to the exotic section. One of the ways that I've played this game is take putting the extra six points on top of wherever you can get New England. So you get them at nine and a half or 10, just on the idea that give me 10 points and Bill Belichick in any situation against a divisional opponent. And I'll feel well, pretty good about it. Yeah. And I'll tell you something real quick about that. Like, let's think about the philosophy of the Miami Dolphins now, right? The Miami Dolphins are probably going to be a little bit more run oriented. Do you think that Mike McDaniel is going to come out if they do have a lead of seven to 10 to 13 points, they're, pretend they're that lucky to have that lead in the third and fourth quarter do you think they're going to just keep opening up the offense, have Tua chuck the ball all over the place? Or are they going to work on that run game that they have uh, that they're trying to establish with his philosophies on the ground attack? Um, I think that might be more the direction that they go. I could see a first-time head coach trying to get a little tight late in this game and, and want to get a little bit more conservative and not try to open it up and build a lead and, you know, try to really smash Bill Belichick and the Patriots, but rather just escape with a win, you know? And, and so that could lead to a little bit more conservative decision-making on early downs, a little bit higher run rate, a little bit more third downs, maybe the chance that they have to punt the ball back to the Patriots a little bit more often in that second half. And that's even if everything else went in your favor and you're betting the Dolphins and the game is playing out to the way that you think it's going to go late in that game, the tide might turn a little bit with a conservative first-time head coach going up against Belichick, and we could see the Patriots be able to, you know, get back into this one. See, I, I like that, and that gives me confidence with the teaser, even though it's not the conventional teaser leg where you get through um, two of the key numbers. But you are talking a little bit of under language now, it feels like. Now, 45 and a half is, feels, feels tight. Is it, you see anything on the 45 and a half that gives you uh, any reason to be excited? So this is one that went all over the place. This one was at 45 and got hit to the over, got up as high as 47, 
got bet down a little bit. And now I'm seeing it at 46 and a half. It was at 47 earlier today and got whacked a little bit to the under. And now current lines, as I'm looking at it, between 46 and a half and 46, there are no 47s on the board anymore. In part, there could be rain, like I mentioned. So that's a factor here. And in part, yes, I agree. In the second half of this game, you could see a little bit more conservative play calling from the Dolphins. If they do have a lead, they are favored in the game and they are playing at home. And if that ends up happening, you could see a little bit more conservative play calling. That being said, there's the other side to the coin potentially, and that is the weather and the steaminess and the heat. And might these defenses get worn down a touch in that second half? So um, just trying to provide both sides of the coin there for that argument. But um, certainly there have been Split opinions between some sharp betting groups as to over versus under. One got in over at 45, one got in under at 47. Well, we teased. I shouldn't make bad puns in week one, <laughs> although everybody kind of expects it. Who's cornier than Joe House? Um, the, the, my second favorite leg for the week one um, teaser card. And by the way, very quick aside, Bill Simmons claimed that he was going to retire from teasers altogether in the ent- all, this whole 2022-23 season. And then bef- at the beginning of his podcast that was posted, I think yesterday, he immediately gave out a teaser he, he, <laughs> that lasted less than 48 hours. He's back. We never gave up teasers. We're never giving up teasers. At least I'm he can't, not. He can't help himself, but also he's being smart because there are advantage teasers. And as long as you're not laying like 130, 140 to do a 16, six point two team teaser, um, you, you should take advantage when you can get them. Well, I got a great price. Your, your standard uh, minus, I think I got it at minus 110. Just pairing up. We talked about Minnesota and Green Bay and grabbing Minnesota and pushing them through um, the one and a half up through seven and a half. San Francisco is sitting there, I believe, right now at at seven. I'm not prepared to lay points with with Trey Lance on, on the road in in really what amounts to you know that that he has the keys to the car. Um, he's been told he can be. The driver, but I really love the idea of San Francisco winning this this first game um, under under Trey Lance. Um, what has happened to uh, Chicago on both sides of the ball? They have uh, they have six starters on defense. They had an above average defense last year. Their defense um, scored out, I think, like top 13, 14 on on a DVOA basis. Um, and you know, they, it it kept them in games. They were pretty competitive. They were in one score games. They beat. The Cincinnati Bengals last year uh, and their defense had consecutive possessions where they intercepted Joe Burrow. That's how they beat Cincinnati. Good defense. Uh, the Chicago Bears last year above average, I'll say six guys, six starters from that defense gone and their offensive line situation remains potentially the worst in the entire NFL. So this is more an instance where I'm prepared to fade the Bears all season long, I'm really rooting for Justin Fields to survive this season, to let this team go ahead and make the moves that it needs to make in the offseason next year so that we can see the version of Justin Fields that we kind of deserve. Their skill position uh, players, uh, still a lot lot to, to uh, be desired. Um, I have no problem at all with San Francisco at minus one as a teaser leg in this situation. Do you have an opinion? I don't um, I, I don't mind it either, but I am going to share that I'm concerned about George Kittle. 
he hurt his groin on Monday. He attempted to practice on Wednesday. He could not. Kyle doesn't know when he's going to be available. And there's not a tight end in the league that matters more than George Kittle does. So that is a potentially disconcerting and concerning loss. The other thing that's great, I I obviously mentioned Kyle working with a new quarterback. That plays into this this trend as well, where he's been really good coming out the gates. Um, Last year, everybody, I'll just throw this nugget out there. Everybody looks back to what Trey Lance did in like a couple of games and wants to quote like either his stats or make some judgments about him being ready or not ready and, 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 you know, why that's going to be a problem this season. Let me just add like his prior football experience leading into last season with missing the year and coming in and then, you know, not being the starter in camp. He was not supposed to play. They aren't changing the offense at all. It's still Jimmy G's offense. And then they insert him for a couple of games here or there because of injury to Jimmy G. Is totally different than him being in this system for a full calendar year, getting all the experience with all the quarterback coaches and seeing what Kyle wants done with this offense, and then having the entire offseason by himself for Kyle to install for Trey the Trey Lance offense that this team is going to run. That being said, as I mentioned, without George Kittle, that's a big factor in what they're going to be able to do in this game. Um, But I just think that, you know, we're going to see a Trey Lance in an offense that's been exclusively designed for him all offseason. That wasn't what we were seeing in this couple of appearances last year. I'm really excited to see what this ends up looking like here in week one. So that's kind of it in terms of running through you know, some of the, the, the game scripts and the, and, and these matchups, those are the games of, of interest as has been our way in the past Warren Sharp. I do have some, some Joe house exotics, uh, still out there. I have not, uh, been persuaded to give up on the money line parlay of, you know, some, some favorites as the season goes on. I might work some underdogs in to juice it up this week. We're just looking for, uh, a little bit of a, a, a gentle win. I'm not looking for a gigantic payout. I'm looking at at uh, three favorites that I think just to set the tone, to start the season off uh, properly, the Baltimore Ravens handling their business against the New York Jets. The Ravens are minus 300, give or take, you know, depending on, on what marketplace you're in and where you can get them. The San Francisco 49ers, we just went through it. They're minus 325, again, give or take, depending on your marketplace. And then the Kansas City Chiefs going into Arizona. It's just a little three-leg, gentle favorite, money line parlay, pays out at plus 159, couldn't get it up to pl- quite up to plus 160. Which of those three, our tradition, we go through these and then you tell me which one is most likely to mess this up uh, for me. Which one of those three uh, gives you the sort of the, the most concern, I would say? Well, I just want to add that I think it's it's funny. I'm not going to hate on you for doing this, but we spent the whole first <laughs> five, 10 minutes talking about the benefit of these home dogs and how the home dogs are like great bets this week. And now you're parlaying three road favorites together Correct. as Correct. only Joe House would do. So I That's just want right. that to be noted uh, for the for the record. Um, I, in terms of which one is the most likely to cause problems, I mean, clearly you could say the Kansas City Chiefs because they are the shortest favorite here. Um, but I really, I think the Cardinals have a lot of issues from an injury perspective with this unit. And I think that there's going to be edges for the Chiefs here. I think that the way that the Chiefs 
operated their offense this preseason, rolling out some different things that are going to come and potentially surprise this Arizona defense that I don't have a lot of confidence in. I'm looking forward to that game. The other thing, this Baltimore Ravens, I just want to get on this podcast, mention it, so it's a good opportunity to do so. Uh, I think Isaiah Likely is going to be a big factor for the Baltimore Ravens. And unfortunately, then I posted that on Twitter and some people said, oh, so should I be drafting Likely? I don't know how much from a like a catching perspective we're talking about here. It's probably not fantasy relevant and like a season-long type thing if you unless Mark Andrews goes down, which obviously is bad for Baltimore. But we're not talking about fantasy here. We're talking about real football and betting. And what I love about Likely is that this team is now going to be able to utilize a lot more two tight end sets house. Mm. In 2019, they ran 54% of their offensive plays with two tight ends out on the field on early downs in the first three quarters. And that was one of the highest rates in the NFL. And Lamar Jackson's efficiency when he had two tight ends out on the field. Remember, Lamar won the MVP unanimously, broke a bunch of records, threw 36 touchdown passes in only 15 games. This team, he was great. He had like double the EPA per pass attempt when he was using two tight ends as opposed to less than two tight ends. He averaged over one more yard per pass attempt when he had two tight ends out on the field. It was a definite benefit for him. But then in 2020, they lost Hayden Hurst and their number three tight end went down with injury. And then they lost Hayden Hurst because he uh, moved on to the Atlanta Falcons at that point in time. And then last season, they never. They tried to replace him by trading with the Jaguars. The guy they got uh, was not good, Josh Oliver. And their other tight end, their third tight end, well, he was number two now on the depth chart. He got hurt. And so they really couldn't use, they were down to like 24, 25% two tight end sets for the last two years. I think they're going to ratchet that back up to over 50% this year because they don't have a great wide receiving core. I think likely being on the field allows Lamar to do a lot more things offensively. They're going to have some better opportunities to run or pass out of these sets and catch the defenses by surprise. So I like the Ravens in a money line parlay week one. I think that that is a smart leg. Um, but in general, you know, it's risky laying three favorites when we're talking about how home dogs are able to cover these week one lines. You see, this is this is why we sit down together. You're very gentle with me. Now, I, I feel like I should return the favor. I didn't really give you an opportunity at all to do anything but react to my card. Is there anything on this card that Warren Sharp has kind of circled as, as a play that you have some some conviction about? Well, we touched on a, a, a couple of things that I already liked. Um uh, from a betting perspective, uh, you know, I got in at a couple of numbers that aren't there. The one thing I will say is, you know, this Eagles Lions game, if mm. this gets back down to 48, I still am a little bit intrigued there. Um, a lot of people are going to say as the like the first reason why like a total like this scares them is because what about all the running? Like what 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 if these teams just run the ball a ton? How is the game going to go over if that's if that ends up happening? And you know, last season, these two teams met and last season, the Philadelphia Eagles ran the ball 46 times and only passed at 16 and they still scored 44 points like this Lions defense. I know they drafted Aiden Hutchinson. This Lions defense is not good. And this Philadelphia Eagles offense is good. Uh, last season, they were playing with, you know, a quarterback starting his first season with the team, learning a brand new offense uh, that offseason with a new head coach. And there was a lot of kind of learning process as they went into it. They shifted to the run. Their number one wide receiver was a rookie. Uh, their number three, 
most targeted player was a running back. Like this team didn't have the depth there. Now they go out and get AJ Brown. They're going to be more pass heavy this year. And when AJ Brown's on the field, the gravity that he's going to command from the defense and the way that those players are going to have to respect his presence is going to open things up more in the run in the past. At any rate, 48, I think is a good number to go over. It's around, I, I got a better number, I will admit earlier. And that's one of the things when we do this podcast on Friday, like we're betting me and the groups that I work with, we're betting stuff earlier on in the week. And so even during the season, this situation may arise. Um, here, it's been the whole off season. We bet this weeks ago, but it got the 49 is be coming back down. I think if you could get a 48, be interested in looking into that. Okay. I'm going to uh, jump into that market and, and try and uh, see if there's something across uh, the books where, we, where I can get in, into that a little bit. Now, one of the things that I think we're going to do this season, this is just your $5 throw a dart. Um, see if you can catch something. This is a four o'clock game. Our good friends at FanDuel, you know, they they um, offer up all all these combinations in the same game parlay. Now, I, in in as as a steward of responsible gambling, we're, we're I'm not going to tell you to do anything more than take the price of one beer, whatever you think is a reasonable price for one beer to wager on this because we're going to do uh, an absolutely asinine five-leg same-game parlay right now. But just if you're willing to wager the price of a beer, you could take a... F if you can get a beer for five bucks, you could turn that that beer into $244. You might already be buzzed. So this is the thing about, <laughs> you know, with the time of day that this game comes on. This is Green Bay and Minnesota. We got five legs and I'm going to sort of run through it for, for you, Warren, and you tell me, again, which one of these to be suspicious of, or if you prefer to go a different direction, I'm all ears. So here are the, the legs. You take your $5 beer, you turn it into, into uh, almost 50 beers, which would re really be wonderful. Uh, Justin Jefferson as an anytime touchdown scorer. That, that, that's one leg of this. Kirk Cousins under 271 yards. He's at, oh, actually under 270.5 yards, uh, passing yards. Aaron Jones, over 52 and a half rushing yards. Justin Jefferson going along with him as a touchdown scorer, over 82 and a half receiving yards. And the first half total, under 23 and a half. Now, that isn't like a perfectly calibrated, correlated set of, of options there. But this is, as I went through the, the, the menu, uh, bullish on Justin Jefferson, bullish on the idea that Green Bay will want to control the clock a little bit, which is why I like Aaron Jones over on the rushing yards and I like Kirk Cousins under on the passing yards. And I think that these two teams, there's going to be a, like a little bit of a feeling out process. It could turn it into a shootout, but that's why I have the first half under 23 and a half uh, in this same game parlay. What, what's your vibes? Yeah, obviously the Cousins kind of plays contrary to the Justin Jefferson over, and I think you understand that. But um, I don't hate this one. I do think Aaron Jones is going to have to be utilized more on the ground for the Green Bay Packers. And if they're winning, that's only going to allow them more opportunities to do that. Um, Jefferson is an absolute ridiculous 
uh, beast. And, you know, I'm never going to say don't bet a Justin Jefferson touchdown or for him to go under his yardage total. So, um, you know, look, I think that this is uh, worth $5 of putting on to this bet to try to hopefully win a long shot. Um, that's the thing. I told We talked at the top house, but this is the first game we hit. How will the Vikings come out to play? If the Vikings come out and rely on Kirk early and pass the ball a lot more than we actually think that they did last year and start earlier in the game, there is a chance Kirk is able to throw the ball here and there is a chance that this first half total goes over. So those two things are the only concern, but they might come out and not lean into the pass as much as we think. They might come out and still be more balanced than we originally would anticipate. Um, and that first half under certainly would look good at that point. Well, we're going to root for everybody to turn one beer in, in, into 50 beers. Um, you know, again, gamble responsibly and drink responsibly, everybody out there. But that that's the slate for, for the week, Sharpie. Any, what, what, what do you think? I'm just jacked for it to be here. I'm super excited to watch these games and then to have some reactions to them on the Ringer Gambling Show all season long with you. I think it's going to be a blast doing this once more house. And I just cannot wait. I'm looking forward to it a ton and that'll do it. Thank you to everyone for listening. Be sure to tune in again on Sunday morning to hear Raheem Palmer's top five Sunday bets. Thanks to Joe house for joining me and to Mike Wargron and Steve Cerruti for producing the show. I will be back on this feed on Wednesday with Austin Gale breaking down what we just saw in week one and getting an early preview to week two. So stay tuned for that show. It'll be every Wednesday on the Ringer Gambling Show. And of course, we'll be back with House next week. House, good luck on your bets. Everybody out there listening, good luck on all your action as well. Hope everybody has a fun and enjoyable week one. It is finally back. <laughs>